all. Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And uh, yeah, we skipped another Monday episode because guess what? Uh, Sunday night was one of the, it was the penultimate day for MLB CBA negotiations, which as you're listening to this now, you know how this goes. But with that being the major point of discussion, and being so close to reaching, you know, it, the, the the climax of that conversation, there was no point in us talking about it because it would just be conjecture of what was to, going to unfold in the next 48 hours anyway. So uh, we waited, which seems like it w- was the right call because I don't know about you. It's like Sunday night. Monday was the deadline, and we'll get to Monday in a second. But like Sunday night. There was a lot of reports coming out on Twitter from, you know, like Nightingale and all that saying everything looked positive. People were moving in both directions, all that type of stuff. My gut reaction was that MLB or my gut, not gut reaction, my gut feeling was that MLB would, would, would put forward a semi-serious offer that there was a sliver of hope would be good enough that the union would, would go along with it. Um, where, where were you at with it? Like, did you think that a deal would get done? And if there was a deal to be settled on, it would only be from a massive, um, just backpedal by the Players Association to just take whatever they can get. So I'm actually genuinely happy that it didn't go through because that means that they're not just going to give in to the owners please even if it means ending up where we are yeah and ultimately when we saw what was offered yeah i think everyone who has been keeping up with the issue or the issues that has been holding up this negotiation process i think we could all probably agree that it wouldn't be worth it not for what the owners were putting out there it's been um, I mean, just uh, wild. It's been wild to witness. And so that brings us then into Monday. So so Sunday night, all the way into Monday morning, you know, like one, two o'clock in the morning, they were negotiating, didn't work out, thought they made progress. Sunday, sorry, Monday rolls around. They have a 5 p.m. deadline. Owners put together their final offer, their best and final offer to the Players Association. And it, it's it's tantamount to, to it, it was as though it was their first proposal is really what it looked like. I'm going to try to pull up. I have that is the, the, the shittiest part about um tweet information versus article information. Like, I, I understand you have to stretch it out to make a whole article, but I wish someone was brave enough to just put bullet points in their things. Uh, all right. So no change to the competitive balance tax thresholds. This is MLB's best and final offer. No change. No change. Not just for this year. No change for 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, and 2026. No change at all. A $5 million increase in pre-R bonus pool money from $25 million to $30 million. The players were asking for like 150. 
So uh, just a hilarious lack of, of movement there and an increase in minimum salaries from uh, 675K to 700K, moving up at a pace of 10K per year. Which would, again, amount to essentially nothing. So all of this. Is that enough to cover inflation even? No, because you gotta you gotta think if um if six seven if six seventy five was supposed to be this year's that's a pre inflation figure because it was predetermined. I highly doubt twenty five k. I I know I doubt, I know for a fact that twenty five k is less than seven percent of six hundred seventy five k. So I wasn't no. about to start doing math after last week. So well, you, you got to figure five percent of of six hundred seventy five k is going to be thirty. Uh, 337 and a half K. So I mean, it's less than that. So three, 37, you know what I mean? 33.7 K fucking who cares with these decimal points? It's less. That's all that anyone needs to know. Uh, the MLBPA's most recent offer was the competitive balance tax thresholds at X amount of dollars, which uh, really not much more than what MLB had been put out there. So MLB was 220. 220, 220, 224, 230. So final two years of the CBA, 224, 230. All the other years, 220. These are in millions. Uh, MLBPA is 238, 244, 250, 256, 273. So they go up $8 million, $6 million, $7 million, uh, to end about $33 higher in the final year than the uh, MLB side of it which might sound like a lot. It is not, uh, especially accounting for an additional five years of inflation. Really is not. The MLBPA had come all the way down in their pre-R bonus pool down to $85 million. So a huge disparity between those numbers. MLB offering 30, uh, MLBPA at 85 with a 5 million annual increase. And the MLBPA wanted minimum salaries at $725,000 going up 20K per year. Ha- uh, double what the MLB front office had offered. Okay. So you can see, based on where we know the PA started, massive concessions to the point where I'd honestly be. <laughs> I think most of us would be a little bit upset that that's all that, that would be happening, but, but still progress, I guess. And the owners didn't even take that. That's a win for the owners. If we're being Frank, that's a win for the owners mm-hmm. and they wouldn't take it. I'm wondering, I'm really just spitballing because by all means, I, I don't know the U S justice system enough to really argue one way or another. I have to imagine they have enough evidence to file an antitrust, not an antitrust, but uh, a suit against the MLB, basically stating that there was a severe lack of um, faith, arguing good faith with these negotiations, especially with everything that's come out through Twitter about what was happening behind closed doors and what they've seen in meetings and just the basic evidence of complete lack of communication on top of complete lack of 
ownership, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, interest in reaching a decision? I mean, this this is incredibly anti-labor at its core. I, I mean, this and apparently there was other reports that there were additional fine print um, arguments or concessions or, or additions added in addenda yeah addendum addenda added added in at, at the 11th hour in the in MLB's proposal including stuff like agreeing to uh, like rule changes essentially pitch clock changes stuff like that that were never discussed that the PA said we absolutely would have incorporated into the discussion if they wanted that if they showed any interest in doing that months ago but they never did really the idea here is that the the owners wanted to torpedo it. They don't want to have uh, March and April baseball. They don't give a fuck about March and April baseball. What this really yeah. is, is this is uh, the ignition of, of a culture war. This is this is politics, baby. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to put as much societal pressure on the players as they possibly can to weaken the stance of the union or to cause revolt within the ranks of the PA and change uh, uh, union leadership to find someone more agreeable to, to the owner's situation. And to, you know, further extent, they're willing to surrender a singular season of baseball in order to maintain the status quo for the next five, 10 years. Yeah, they they will be absolutely willing to sacrifice short term money for long term control. Yeah. And, and theoretically, long term profits and they're leveraging really the pressure that that they've created uh, for for poorer players, for 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 uh, minimum salary and below players, because those are the players who have the most Max Scherzer who has been negotiating and has been a, a point of topic because he drove a Porsche to a meeting, which suck my balls. Who fucking cares? It's a car. Um, but, you know, Scherzer is not going to be feeling the hurt very much because he is a multimillionaire because guess what? He's a active hall of famer and that guy is getting paid like it. Yeah. But there's a, as we've talked about many times, there's a swath of players who make dirt but are on the 40 man whose seat, whose incomes are being hindered at this moment because they're incapable of getting paid because of the lockout. And it feels as though the owners are really resting on the idea that those guys are going to hurt so much that the union capitulates. They are really saying to the union, I bet you fucks care more about the problem we created than we do. Because we don't care about the pain and suffering we're generating, but we bet that you do. Because mm-hmm. outside of that, I do not know what else the the owners could possibly have for the reason for this. I mean, we're not talking colossal differences of dollars here. The, the 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 PA has not put forward an outrageous set of demands at all. I mean, when you come down to it, all of these things compared to revenue, league revenue changes over the past five, 10 years, however long it really takes to 
or however long the last CBA was. Is I think seven years pennies. is the, 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 the standard length here. Seven years. Regardless, it's fucking pennies on the dollar. Oh, yeah. Um, it It's nothing. And it's the money is not at issue here. It can't be. It's just. No, it's not because so from from 2015 to 2019, MLB revenue went from 8.2 billion to 10.7 billion, which is a 30 percent increase in revenue. Mm-hmm. Average player salary from 2015 to 2019 fell three hundred thousand dollars per player from four point five four point four five million to four point one seven million. And the median income of players fell from 1.65 million to 1.15 million. Look and how of much these fo- Mike Trout's getting paid. Oh yeah, yeah. Juan yeah, Soto look- just turned down like a what, 350 million dollar contract? Trevor oh, Bauer, he was getting paid 40 million a season. Oh please, they're fleecing us out of money. Oh. Final point here of the 1400 players who accrued a day of service time in 2021, 41% earned less than $1 million, which feels like a no shit statement to anybody who pays attention, but there is uh, a, just an onslaught of people who just love the taste of wealthy boots and cannot keep their tongues from wagging all over them. Patent leather bullshit. Uh, owner shoes. I, I mean, it, it's, and that that's really been the part that's been the most upsetting. Like, I I I, I made a, a small tweet about it today because it was really bothering. Me, but, but like, I I've always had kind of a difficult relationship with listening to New York sports talk radio, and I've brought up some of the wacky things I've heard on New York sports talk radio here on the podcast because it's been so bothersome that I've been, or it's been such a wacky kind of that's a weird point to make type of thing that I felt the need to uh, address it in longer form for myself. But I mean, like I'd still listen though, because I'd like the side conversation or every now and then someone would have a good point. You know, that's the the nature of these things. You deal with a lot of bullshit to eventually get a nugget that you can latch on to. I, I can't, I'm done. I'm tapped out. It's insane because you have everybody that I've listened to, on major on the major networks like like WFAN and and uh, you know the New York branch of ESPN has been on the side of ownership, all of them. I heard I heard one of the guys from the from the WFAN morning show this morning blaming the players for not taking the owner's shitty offer and called it bad optics on their part to 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 cancel games, like like it's like it's the players' choice. And it really feels like, you know, when, when, it, when it's not crunch time, like when we're talking about this stuff in the middle of the regular season and the season's happening and no one listens, it's like, all right, whatever. I, I'm, you know, we're talking about it for us. We're talking about because we know it's an issue and we're going to raise the whatever small microcosm of awareness we can raise. And when it's crunch time and everyone's paying attention, I really would hope. And obviously, I don't believe that it's happening, and it clearly is not. But you'd hope that when the facts and numbers are laid out in front of people, people will go, oh, it is very obvious who is at fault. And that is the owners. And it still doesn't happen. Josh, when has that 
ever, ever been the case. I know. Facts and figures and the truth being laid out in front of someone and the global, universal, just American body has looked at that and gone, oh, that was wrong. And really, I mean, the last six years should have informed me of that. And and maybe it's because I know that me as a person, I can admit when I'm wrong, especially when, when, when shown with something as you know hard and fast as numbers and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, figures that, that get made public, like, like, like what we saw with the Atlanta baseball team's revenue and profit um, income statement that got shared a few uh, last week because they're a public company. Like if, if, if you have verifiable information, I am a big enough person. I'm, I'm not horribly smart. But I am absolutely emotionally aware enough to say that I will admit when I'm wrong. And I, I, I project that onto other people that clearly don't fucking deserve it because it is just infuriating. It's one thing to be listening to the radio and have a sports take you disagree with and you go, you fucking idiot. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be like the Yankees. Listen to a guy go, the Yankees should really change trade to Carlos Stanton. And you can go, ah, you fucking dumbass. Like, you don't know anything, you stupid, big old idiot. But it's another thing to have a guy be like, the players should just lay down and take it because they're having fun. And that should be enough or uh, a million dollars is enough to live on. uh, And they should never ask for more, even though the, the sport is generating more money the players shouldn't get any of it because they're having fun. It's a cool job. They should just be rewarded by having a cool job. And I, I, I don't know. I, it makes me want to tear my fucking hair out. This is not just like, Oh, the Yankees should cut uh, uh, fucking Gary Sanchez. It's like, this has real impact. This is real life every day. And it's not just players. It's the same logic that applies when you're talking about anybody's job. If corporate profits rise at your company, that is inherently because of work you did. Whether you made a big sale or was just helping out on the back end, doing whatever data entry nonsense you were doing, doesn't matter. If corporate profits rose in a quarter, in a year, in a fiscal half, whatever, you, the guy who did work, is entitled to a portion of it because you did the job. Mm Mm-hmm. It goes the same for the, and it's just also wild to think because ownership groups, they could be anywhere from one guy to how, I don't know, fucking six, who fucking cares? You want to tell me that, that three dudes who, who own the uh, Brooklyn or Brooklyn, Los Angeles Dodgers deserve every penny of increased Dodgers revenue over the minimum 40 players who are on their roster. How does that make any sense? It's not even an apples to apples comparison where you can look at, you know, a privately owned company where the owner is making, for the most part, every major, you know, unilateral decision that affects the operation of the company. It really comes down to, in baseball, the players and in some part, the coaching and managers there's really not a whole lot of input that the team owners have that directly affects on-field success. Like you can make arguments like, okay, Jerry Jones 
has a lot more sway in the Dallas Cowboys than most owners. That's because he wants it to be that way. I don't know who owns the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that's because they're not the ones running the day-to-day of the team, operating the team over a 162-game schedule and causing the team to have direct success on or off the ball directly on the field. That was the end of my point. Yeah. I, I mean, it's true. If, if I started a business tomorrow, if I started like a landscaping company tomorrow, I'm running that landscaping company. If I hire 30 people to, to, to go handle yards and flower beds and shit, like I'm going to show up to work every day, hand everyone their assignments, tell them what needs to get done based on customer um, uh, asks and, and purchase orders. And I'll distribute the work. I'll tell everyone where to go because it's my business. You're still working. Yeah. Hal Steinbrenner, he might give uh, uh, Cashman a budget. I know for a fact that, that there is a coordination on how much money gets spent. He does not pick the players. Most owners do not pick the players. Even Jerry Jones still has a president somewhere in that company that tells him, hey, cool idea, fucking no. When Jerry Jones gets out of line, because let's be honest, Jerry Jones is built like a frog person and probably has some pretty kooky ideas. I imagine Jerry Jones has some pretty fucking wild ideas and some wild skeletons that have been kept hidden from the world. Jerry Jones absolutely has a person who ex- only job is to proofread his emails to take out the racial epithets. That is absolutely a job that is within the Cowboys organization. I imagine there is a intern with an NDA somewhere who was charged with going through. I'm willing to bet there are many emails. interns with many NDAs. <laughs> <laughs> but oh like, you're right. And, and especially speaking of guys like Hal can Steinbrenner. You say, can you say that again? You're absolutely right, buddy. I tell you that all the time. You're, you're a smart guy. How Steinbrenner inherited the team. You can't even say he worked for it. You know what he did to, to, to earn it? His dad died. His dad. That's what sex. he did. His dad died. That's he how he got the team. <laughs> yes. He usurped the Yankees. It, it, no other. No two fucking ways about it. You can suck my fucking balls that Hal Steinbrenner earned the Yankees. He got shot out by a woman that fucked George Steinbrenner and one day woke up to a $5 billion organization under his thumb. Can we go on a small tangent here? Not that we don't just wildly do this anyway. How much better would the Yankees be if Logan Roy owned the team instead of George Steinbrenner? 0% better. (laughs) Really? You don't think you really you really don't think that instead of just handing it over to some Hal Steinbrenner, that there was some just Machiavellian just gladiator match between all of the possible candidates to find the absolute best, most cutthroat option. Uh, No, because the thing is, 
George Steinbrenner ran the team till he died, pretty much. You know, like Logan Roy is still alive in the show. Like that's the problem is we have to see what happens in a world where Brian Cox's character deceases and then one of his children eats the others to to gain power. He was supposed to die at one point during season one, and then they just were like watching as they were filming the first couple of episodes. They were like, we. uh we can't get rid of this character. See, that's I don't, just not I don't, that's possible. I, I can't believe that because why would you cast a guy like Brian Cox if you're just going to kill him off in season one? You mean like casting Sean Penn? Sean Bean? Sean Bean, yeah. Um, to play. I don't, yes, sorry. absolutely. That's the same reason he got hired in Lord of the Rings a decade before that. He died in yeah. the first movie. <laughs> As I said it, I was like, actually, that's very much his Yes, it is. It is why he gets hired to be killed on screen. <laughs> like, there's a, a typecasting that you can have as an actor. That's far and away the best one. I mean, like, it's, I can it's play true. any range of characters you want me to be. I just have to die at some point. You got to also respect it, though. Like, we've all watched death scenes in TV shows and movies where we go, ooh, not, a, not good death. This guy yeah. did not nail death. This is a man who's never confronted his inner demons and really consider what this looks like. Sean Bean has clearly had at some point in his life made horrible mistakes or had to really analyze who he was as a person on a deep metaphysical and sad level and mastered it to where his deaths on screen are very convincing. I just realized that when Sean Bean dies in real life, absolutely no one will believe him. And it'll be his final role. Ugh. But let's get a, a role he was born to play. A role he was born to that should be on his tombstone. <laughs> oh man. Uh and you know, knowing because everyone's gonna uh, there's been a shift in thinking with with the, a good you know 24 ish hours since this had all unfolded, and now of course for some reason negotiations have, have have ceased. Which really, even though MLB's deadline didn't get met, which again was uh, Monday, I don't know why negotiations would stop. Like they still, the lockout is still in effect, presumably over CBA talks, which means they still need a new one. So I don't know why they would stop negotiating until they set another arbitrary le- uh, uh, date for, I guess, the next round of cancellations of games. Uh, but whatever. There, there has- that was so far and away been the best fucking part. Like negotiations have only ceased because MLB decided, hey, they can't go past that date <laughs> at that time <laughs> <laughs> yeah all of this every fucking aspect of this comes back to an mlb decision oh yeah how about how about this how many games did they cancel not a number two series why two series fuck you mm-hmm. uh, i mean like if, if, if we could sit here and try to like rationalize how much time mm-hmm. they think uh, players need to ramp up because there will have to be at least two to four weeks of a spring training like thing so that, you know, pitchers don't die. 
Uh, but it's not going to fit like two series. So we're talking anywhere between six and eight days. Why? Why that many days? Who knows? <laughs> why? Why by Monday, March uh, or uh, the fucking February 28th? Who knows? Uh, it, it's all the world's biggest shoulder shrug from MLB that uh, the subtext of that shoulder shrug being fuck, fuck you. Fuck you, you dumb bitch. Why'd you even ask me this? And and it's just the it's just the most disgusting way to toy. Fuck the fans. Fuck Corwin and me. Like like fuck us who are just we were yeah, named so like, by Rob Manfred. Like we we do not matter, even though this is one of our main hobbies, Corwin and I as people, which is the consumption of sport, and then the expulsion of sport onto this medium that we call a podcast. Uh, Like that doesn't even secondary. The fact that they're willing to just do this with people whose livelihoods this is. And again, we're not just talking about like, uh, ah, fuck that whole baseball thing didn't work out. Good thing. I have a whole set of secondary skills. I was secretly a programmer the whole time. I'm going to get a work from home job in Missouri working for a, uh, a, a fortune 500 Silicon Valley company. And I'll be cool. We're talking about people whose entire lives since age five have been predicated, centered and guided by the sport of baseball. We're talking about people who came over here from the DR from from Venezuela, from from uh, Curacao, all these places that are just posted up in the U.S. probably horribly in not great condition because they got told this is where you go to play ball, and the MLB saying "fuck you," eat shit and die. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay five million dollars per team. Because fuck you, I want it. I don't need it. I want it. Who would you rather give $5 million to, by the way? A guy with $5 billion or a guy with two? Someone's got to get it. It feels like that's the other point that, that these this other sports talk radio. Someone's got to get the money. It's not like we say baseball generates $40 billion and that $40 billion just goes into like God's bank account and only the righteous can access it. It's either it goes to people who are on the field doing something or it just floats up and uh, a classic trickle up economics just goes straight up the ass of some random Jamoke who fucking inherited a team from his dead dad. Like who... It's oh god, I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, or it goes into a bloody a, a ghost skeleton looking bitch who's gonna just say, I hate the Colorado Rockies, but I own them because it's cool, and just plows Denver fans in the ass till they die. They're billionaires, so I actually wouldn't disagree with the fact that they've done that to some extent. Uh, Jeff Epstein. Uh, but we already know they don't care about 
the people who need money and then, you know, the people that play for them and work for them. Like that is a foregone conclusion. We know they all as people, as billionaires, as owners, do not give a fuck. That is not affecting their decision-making process in any way. They care about their bottom line, their revenue stream, their paycheck, which they, of course, give themselves. And what's crazy is they don't, they aren't making these decisions with their long-term future in mind. Like, we have serious previous evidence of what a lockout and shortened seasons do to overall fan engagement and viewership and the broad popularity of the sport. Like all of the people on Twitter who are screaming and crying and are just unbelievably upset about this decision are the diehard baseball fans that are going to come back and watch whenever this starts back up again, regardless to the rest of the people that they rely on for the vast majority of their income the people who don't live and die by baseball, they're just going to move on to something else. Hey, the NFL Combine's in a week. Hey, football's coming back in the fall. Hey, we got a billion other sports going on. Hey, playoff basketball, playoff hockey's coming up. Let's go watch that instead. People will move on. They'll find other things to watch. There's 162 games of baseball. They'll watch it when it comes on regardless. Sure. If it's not on, they're not losing any sleep. Sure, you can make this argument for a seven-year CBA. Guess what? You just won the CBA for seven years. But what about the broader popularity of the sport that will reach on and will have these little ripple effects? And when you pull out this graph, you'll see the, the slowing of the rise of popularity. You'll see the little dip that never quite recovers for 10, 12, 15 years. What are you doing? And it's not like the money you're losing out on is significant to the money you're making. I, I want to back up two things you just said, because they're they're really like, you know, two of the bigger points of this. First, the thing that you, that you just said, you at home can witness this in, in yourself. How many streaming services do we have at this point in our lives? Corbin, how many streaming services or do you have? How many streaming services do you have passwords and access to? Like just off the top uh, of your head. Like six. Let's see. Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Disney, Amazon Prime, Peacock, Xfinity Streaming. Am I missing any big ones? I know there's some that Apple I Apple TV. Have. Yeah, like uh, Apple TV. Paramount Plus. Those are the two I kind of Disney had Plus. I don't know time. if you said that one already. Uh, uh, Showtime. Whatever. We're at ten already. It's a lot. Like yeah, and I, I have all these two. Like ten. Yeah. Uh, I really, if you want to think about what 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 we call in the corporate world, mind share. That's it right there. If Netflix, and this has been happening to, to, to places like, like Netflix for the past few years, which is if Netflix stops putting out content that you actively go, I want to see that, I'm going to seek that out. It's not even that you're going to say, start saying, fuck Netflix. It's just between all your other streaming services, you will gravitate to Netflix less. You'll start saying to yourself, well, Hulu's had a lot of good shows recently. 
I don't know what to watch. Pop open Hulu. HBO Max has had a lot of good movies come up on it recently. I don't know what's there right now. Pop open yeah. that instead. It's Just the same down, for anything. See you what's watch. Up. Yeah. And and if 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 you're not constantly trying to improve your product the way that Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu spend inordinate amounts of money getting movies as soon as they can, if not direct releases on their platforms or developing new shows, whatever, then they're going to be losing part of that mindshare and part of that subscriber base. It's the same for any watchable, consumable product. It goes the same for baseball, too, because Corwin's right. At the end of the day, you choose what to watch, and there's only so many hours in the day to watch it. And people's spans are so short. People might not remember it. Everyone and their fucking mother had Netflix. Mm -hmm. Netflix was essentially a TV. It was like, I think it was genuinely the closest we came in our generation when it was at its peak to being back to like a three channel situation, like in the fifties where everyone only was watching channel like two, three, and four. If Netflix released a series, like one of the Netflix's flagships, everyone House of Cards. watched it. Everyone I swear, it. everyone at least watched season one of House of Cards when it came out mm-hmm. because because Netflix was was still had the boomer population that was sending DVDs out, and it had the streaming population that was those a little bit more tech savvy. Like everyone had Netflix, it was crazy. Look, most people still have Netflix. But not most shows you hear people talk about are Netflix shows. And that's not to say Netflix has slipped. It's to say that there's more options. So baseball, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to die because of this, but it's not doing itself any favors. That's the issue is if owners want to see increase in profits and increase in uh, viewership and all that stuff, which, hey, you know, they keep getting more money thrown at them. So maybe it's not an issue today, but it's about lasting effects. If 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 uh, you know, there's a an adage that isn't horribly true, but the idea of like if you go on vacation for two weeks and your company doesn't miss you, you might end up getting fired. Which is really just something that people say to make you not want to take vacations. It's not horribly true, but the concept there is that if you're gone and nobody notices, well, maybe you were better not being gone because then you wouldn't have gotten fired. If MLB doesn't come back and everybody who's so like me, like me, used to glued into watching every game every day and they don't watch the games every day. I'm not saying I'm ever going to give up and watching the Yankees, but I'll be a lot more comfortable with not watching 130 games than I'm currently used to watching because I'm locked in for at least 130 games a year. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad about missing 30. But if I'm not going to, if I'm going to start conditioning myself to not feel bad about missing a bunch of games, you're not going to lose me as a fan. That's not going to happen. But maybe I'm watching, but maybe I'm watching 100 games instead of 130. Maybe I'm watching 80 games like that. Those are the differences, you know, and then to the other point that you were saying. If owners don't care. Shut the fuck up. This is the other point I don't get. If you're rich enough to buy a team 
or you're rich enough that you inherited a team, which means your your family's got fucking money. If you inherited a team, like your 401k is not a concern. Then shut the shut the fuck up. If I had enough money to invest in an already successful biz- business, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not walking in there on a Monday, pointing at the employees in the face and saying, fuck you, you're getting a pay cut. Mm-hmm. What is that? This is a status symbol purchase. That's all this is. Like, why would you want to buy a baseball team if not for one, the ever elusive concept of passive income and two, the next dick measuring contest you go to with your rich ass friends? Seriously, if I had enough money that I could buy the angels from 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 Angelos or whatever, or uh, no, that's not him. I think the Orioles is Angel. Who, who cares? Fuck these people. If I could buy the Orioles who aren't even good. Why do I care? Chances are I bought them because of all the professional baseball teams, all the MLB teams in the world. You know how many MLB teams there are in the world? 30. 30. You'd be one of yeah. 30 guys that owns a team. You know what you can do if you do that? Tell people you own the team. Why do you have to care this much? It, it, it blows my mind. If you don't care, then just don't care. It's that easy to not care. Oh, God. It drives me insane. Um, while you were doing that, I was looking at Netflix's market share. Um, global uh, platform demand for TV in 2021. Uh, Netflix was 50.2%. So out of all the people who had a streaming service, uh, 50.2% of them had Netflix. Uh, the next highest was Amazon Prime with 12.2, which... It gets bundled in Prime anyway, so I don't really want to count that. Hulu was third with 6.1%. Wow. Wow. Netflix, you are the king. Oh, they're huge. Yeah, they're absolutely huge. I think um, HBO Max and Disney Plus have been the fastest risers. I think Disney Plus has been the next fastest riser, and they're still so far behind. Right. And it's their fastest risers because they just came out. Yeah. Starting from zero makes a very quick rise. Yeah, especially because Netflix is still struggling to be very profitable. That's why they keep raising their prices, whereas Despite other streaming 7. services. Seven billion dollars in revenue in 2020. Yep, because creating creating uh, content is very expensive. And one of the advantages that. Yes, one of the advantages that a lot of other streaming services have is uh you know, pre-existing intellectual property and uh, pre-existing actual company, Hulu run by Fox, NBC, and ABC. Those companies already exist, have a backlog of content and are profitable already. So, you know, they can absorb some of the, the costs associated with running a streaming service, whereas Netflix has just went up to $20 a month. Yeah. Did it really? Yeah. Oh my God. At that point, you're just buying cable. It used to be, remember when it used to be like eight? Yeah. Or something stupid. Seven ninety nine, baby. $7.99. And that was back, uh, clearly aging myself, but there was a time when that $7.99 got you the DVDs and the streaming. Mm-hmm. DVDs are like an extra two bucks a month. Well, they changed that later on. There was a point really early on 
when they first started making the streaming part where to get people to understand it, like it was just all one service. And uh, then it was an extra $2 a month for the DVDs. And then they made them fully separate services. Hmm. Well, not like, like totally, totally separate, but like the, no, the, the cost of yeah. each went up. Yeah. Because when Amazon, not Amazon, when uh, Netflix first started streaming, it wasn't everything could be streamed. It was like a select number of things could be streamed because I guess they didn't have like the bandwidth to support a huge thing. Yeah. Like, I remember, I remember streaming Amadeus in like, that's a very two, specific movie choice. I know. I, I do. must've been like 2006 or 2005. Like it was super early and I was blown away that it was a thing. I'm watching it on my dad's like 13 inch laptop, you know, with all of its 480p glory. Yeah, I still remember the way the old Netflix used to look, but whatever. If you uh, if you had to cut down to one streaming service, what would you go with? HBO Max. Same. Yeah, that's like a no contest either. It, it's such an easy one. And then second would probably be Hulu. Really? Those are the two I think I'm on the most. Yeah. I think I watch Hulu the least. Oh, I love Hulu. What do you watch on Hulu? Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. A lot of it's always sunny. Bob's Burgers, I the, Abbott I Elementary. To the first episode of the podcast today. It's a great podcast. Gang, gang gets invincible. Well, that's the most recent. The first one is the gang gets racist. Right, but uh, yeah. I finally listened to this one because that was one of like two episodes I bought on iTunes, the individual episode. So I've seen ah. the gang gets invincible like thirty five times. You got those skinny that- legs and those giant feet. You know what those giant feet are? Pendulums. <laughs> My, uh, did you listen to the most recent episode? Yeah, here? yeah. <laughs> uh, Faison Love. Yeah. No idea how to pronounce Donovan McNabb. <laughs> Donovan McCrab. <laughs> the fact Donovan that Donovan McCrab. The fact that he had a page and a half long speech, <laughs> and the guys did not say what the content of it was, drove me insane. They even apologized how- in the episode where it's like, "Yeah, we kind of, uh, we kind of got off the rails there, so we're actually, we're gonna record this again." We're just gonna go back. Yeah, yeah that was that was fun. I love Caitlin Olson. She's so fucking funny. She's but, a bird. She is a bird. I don't know if you, you watched it do, online, but they also guess. had a, a bird animation whenever okay. she was talking. Yeah, I didn't know. I listened to it. Do you want to take a guess what the other uh, uh, Always Sunny episode was that I bought and watched uh, 40, 50 times? Oh man. Is it as early? I, I like, just, is I just early started episode? saying it. I started saying it instead of saying always sunny. Um, it's pretty early. It's, you know, it's not a newer. This was like middle school, high school era. So like I probably no idea, first yeah. five seasons. Frank's Little Beauties. I don't know. Oh, my God. I love that episode. That's that's too creepy for me. Love um, that episode. Oh, it's so cringy. It's Frank's great. Little Beauties. Like, oh, simply yeah. are the best. Anyway, what was the other episode? Um, Charlie McDennis, the king. Oh, it's such a fucking classic. Oh, yeah, one of the best. Charlie Work, still the best episode. One of my favorite underrated episodes is the dance marathon. (laughs) 
Yeah, the dance marathon one. episode, I constantly forget about. And then when it comes up, I'm like glued to the TV because of how fucking funny of an episode that is. We got to get you to learn how to read, buddy. This is making some real, <laughs> this is really causing some problems now. Do you know what? Uh, I'm not like a huge, huge, huge fan of like the older or the newer seasons compared to like the original classics. But the gang goes to the water park is it's a great episode. Probably one I've seen like 10 times just because it's so rewatched. It's so good. Honestly, I love the new seasons. I think I think I think they're all great. I just I feel like they're missing that same kind of like we made this on like a $50 budget type feel that early Sunny had. Nah, I'm I'm still all about it. Once it got to like super HD. It just, it kind of lost that inch for me. I liked when it was just like, there is no HD here. This is all just like, we shot Punchy this on a low budget. Quarter. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, which honestly, segue, there's another reason I wouldn't be that mad Shooter. if, uh, if the players got together and like, if, if the players got together and on like back lots, or, or like their their old college a or high school lot, fields. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even on fucking Twitch, just like twitched their games, just like mm-hmm. and no, no, no one's got to kill themselves playing, like lighthearted games and shit. I'd fucking watch that yeah. shit. And don't tell me it's not viable because I used to watch the NWHL games when they were on Twitch before they got picked up yeah. for a TV deal, like. Almost, it's totally uh, viable. I'd watch the shit of that. Even if it was as low rent as early sunny seasons, I'm still about it. Because just like with the early sunny seasons, it's about the talent. But like what's stopping like an Apple TV or I'm sure there's some stipulation in their contract stopping like ESPN from broadcasting their own games, even though by all means they have the money and broadcasting capability. But What's stopping a random streaming service from just saying, hey, we'll put this on. We'll, you know, we'll find a stadium. We'll set up the cameras. You guys show up. Let's I go. can't imagine they would have it. I, I The only thing I could think is there, that there's a non-compete clause somewhere, but right. I can't even imagine that there's that because if it was a non-compete clause for the players, so many players play down in like the DR exactly. during the offseason anyway. And if it's a non-compete clause for even say ESPN, I mean, when there was a, a, a shortened season in 2020, ESPN was broadcasting KBO games. So I, God, what, a, what a way to gain some leverage back if you're the players union. Hey, don't want to sign a deal with us? Okay, we'll start our own league with blackjack and fuckers. And the hilarious part is how much revenue they would realize because of the lack of middlemen that is an MLB front office mm-hmm. just from a very small TV deal would probably be a fuck ton of money comparatively. And seeming as, you know, the players would, I imagine the players would be super on board, just like, hey, let's go have fun league. You know, it's not MLB. We're not going to take it nearly as serious as MLB. Like, we're here just to have fun. Could Bro, if it was fast pitch thirty guys. Could you imagine if there's just 30 MLB players just hanging out, having some beers, Mike'd playing up. baseball, completely mic'd up, just having fun? how much people would fucking love that and how many people would tune in to watch this novelty baseball league. Dude, That's- I would, I would watch that with my fiance so I could get better at Spanish. You know how fucking cool that would be. 
You know how fucking cool it would be to have players fully mic'd yeah. up, just shooting the shit, just chomping the bit, like in their native tongues and all that shit, just letting it all out. Like, yeah. just for real, that'd be fucking cool. Imagine seeing just like Bryce Harper hanging out with some dudes in the dugout, shooting the shit, or or you go over to like like uh you know the Yankees bullpen and you hear players are like you know Glaber Torres just speaking in Spanish to Miguel Andahar, just like or like you know Aaron Judge trying out his Spanish on Glaber Torres and hearing the guys have honest moments. Because that's the thing, if they did it through a, through something like Twitch, if they couldn't do it through ESPN, let those curse words flow, buddy. Let's fucking hear it. Mm-hmm. No parental controls. No MPAA. That would be so much fucking fun. I'd prefer that to MLB baseball. Oh. Oh, yeah. Look, man, when the revolution happens, <laughs> we can't expect that when the, when, when the revolution happens, that like, like the entities we know of today as the Kansas city Royals, the Cincinnati Reds, the New York Yankees will survive. No, but what will survive is sticks and balls. And we will form a new league from the ashes of what came before a player's league. All proceeds. Let's just send it over to the Ukraine. Let's get real political with it. Let's just, let's hit cover all the bases. Every uniform is yellow and blue. Now, what you might think I said is that every uniform is either yellow and blue. No, <laughs> every uniform is yellow and blue. <laughs> we are one uh, team. I, I changed. Every team is technically inter-squad. Ah, I see. That's that's very good. Mm. I appreciate it. Mm. I went with green. Sure. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Supporting those... Uh, Green Party Green candidates. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't fucking know. Fuck you, better work. Um, but the other thing that it's, it's worth mentioning, and it really is worth mentioning. I know it might feel as an aside after we talked about it's always sunny and you know been bitching for the last almost an hour, but there's a, a good solid. I, I believe, if I'm correct, forty thousand part-time workers, wage employees that are also getting fucked by these lockouts. It takes a lot of support staff to make games happen from ticket takers to our security guards, to the grounds crews, to concession workers, both, you know, down in Florida and Arizona for spring training. And then at the actual MLB facilities on game day that are, really just getting told, hey, go fuck yourself in no, you know, in, in, in no uncertain terms, eat shit, go fuck yourself. We don't care. And it feels, again, like we just went through this in 2020 when a very similar standoff negotiation held up the start of the MLB season until August. And some players really stepped up to the plate and paid salary to the unemployed stadium workers. You know, this was a big thing. David Price with the Dodgers. David Price paid for a Dodgers facility employees to be paid throughout the negotiation period, which he absolutely did not have to do. And did anyone because he's a good Rizzo guy? Did that too. Right. Yeah, that's right. Anthony Rizzo did the same thing with the Cubs. 
mm-hmm. and they're getting they're getting fucked again. And unlike the players, they don't have even the union who is going to be administering a nominal amount of money, but still, I think they said like five thousand dollars per month to to the union members. <laughs> Uh, to help cover expenses, which for, again, for a guy like an Anthony Rizzo, really, what does it matter? But for a a guy who's barely on the 40 man, that's a lot of money. So good on them, but they don't even have that. Now I'm not saying everyone who works at the stadium is, is destitute. There are absolutely some people who work, you know, night games after their regular job because they want to be in the ballpark. But the vast majority of people who work at these stadiums are people who rely on having a secondary or even as a primary form of income. And those people are getting absolutely thrust to the side and thrust under the bus. They are casualties of this standoff. And it's a standoff that is again, being entirely held up by one side. This is not a both sides issue. I don't want to frame the standoff. Uh, The word standoff as being that it is both sides equally holding up this process. It is, uh, it is monotonous. It is, it is, it is, you know, one single organization holding this up, but regardless, there are people being, being trampled on as a result of, of, you know, of where we stand today that are that just got fucked. They just got fucked in 2020 and they're getting fucked again. Yeah. yeah. That's what pissed me off about, the David Price and the Anthony Rizzo, you know, paying those salaries. It's like you guys make a tenth of a percent what your owners are worth. Why are you the ones who have to take it out of your paycheck, out of your bank? Yeah. Why? Like so much of this is just a PR stunt for owners, you know, trying to push the blame on players, trying to do this, that, 10 other things. How much good fucking publicity would it have, would they have if they were like, hey, we're sorry the players are fucking you guys over so much, you know, all the stadium and employees and stuff like that. Hey, we'll cover five grand a month for you guys. It wouldn't be that much money for the two months you think it would be or however long you think, like, in all likelihood, that's nothing. And, oh, look at how generous these owners are. Oh, players, what are you doing? But, no, they're so greedy and penny-pinching that they can't even do that. Again, going back to the point of they don't give a flying fuck. About no, because the, the accomplishment, and this goes down to really the ethos of what it means to be a billionaire, the accomplishment is – what is the what is the most you can get away with with not doing? What is the what is the most you can get away with? And I really mean get away with fucking people over to retain income. That's the accomplishment. The accomplishment is not. No one cares if you go in there and say, I raised revenues 10 percent for my baseball team this year or to compare it to last year due to my good management practices. That is something nobody cares about hearing in their circles. What they care about is hearing the funny story of I slashed wages 10% and still made 5% more this year than last year, which really means I realized 15% or whatever, however the math really would shake out 
because they'd rather make only 5% while forcing concessions that would really realize I'm honestly probably less profit because five slashing wages, 5% is not the same thing as realizing 5% additional revenue wages way smaller than revenue, but they'd rather slash revenue slash wages, 10% to only make 5% uh, extra year over year, than pay 5% extra and get 10% extra year over year, which would be a way bigger amount of money because it's not about being a good leader. It's really about fucking over however many people you can possibly fuck over to make yourself feel like a big, fancy, smart guy. It's like these idiots think they're geniuses because baseball teams go up in value every year and that they can just cut and slash and stomp and trample on everybody underneath them because no matter what, the value keeps going up every year. What's going to happen when the music stops? Something's got to give. But it's not very, it's not very profitable. Oh, I've already got debt. Hand it to me. I'm not paying off my student loan anytime soon. Why do I care about being profitable? I'll take it. If it's not profitable, sell the team and get a cool $2 billion. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I heard the Royals were a small market, stupid, nobody team. Didn't they just sell for a few billion a couple years ago? And clearly that guy overpaid. I mean, I'll take it off his hands. I, I, I mean, if, if it's really like, if it's really a burden, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't mind. I'm never getting unsaddled for my debt anyway. Like, lay it on me, big daddy. Come on. Come on. The Reds are a small market team. I'll take that. What could they possibly cost? Five bucks? Pick them out of the retail bin. It's a banana, Michael. How much could it cost? $10. Jeter left the Marlins because he couldn't convince them to pay players to build a winning team. Not some random, not some random analyst who came out of finance who was like, guys, I ran the numbers and my spreadsheet and SQL stuff really says that I ran a report in R and you wouldn't believe it. No, Derek. Derek fucking Jeter said, guys, let's spend money and win baseball games. And I know how to do it because I'm Derek fucking Jeter. And the people that work with him said, no, no, we will not. No. And fuck you. And Jeter said, I'm not running your team. Then this is insane. I can't even fathom that. How do you look jeets in the grill and say, no, I'm not spending money on your baseball team, you fucking piece of shit? Yeah. I, Derek, not like it's some random Billy Bean intern played by Jonah Hill in a movie who can't talk to anybody. Derek fucking Jeter. Couldn't squeeze money out of some millionaire billionaire dudes to win baseball games of a team that they just bought seemingly under the guise of winning baseball games. I have really been up and down the whole show, (laughs) oscillating between bouts and fits of anger 
and and goofing off to it's always sunny. So we're now up at the top of the roller coaster again. Or I guess descending because that's the scary part. That's when you're shouting. But yeah, man, fucking that's just wild. That's wild. It's not like it's like the Dodgers and the Giants where it's like they're run by nerds. You can go on oh, they're run by nerds. It's fucking cheater. Like, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Taking off the sweater. What's your prediction for when we have a decision and agreement? Honestly, I hope this chaps the, the players' ass, players' collective asses uh, enough that they really, really strong arm the league. If there was no baseball this year, because the players really had an idea of what they were worth and refused to concede on it, I'm not mad. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really going to come down to uh, and again, I can't believe the, the short-term memory on most people who have talked about this. We just went through this last year. Or down mm-hmm. two years ago. I, I know you and I talked about this just a few weeks ago. When the MLB season was supposed to start in 2020, we were all saying, how great is this? Here's a sport that could happen even in the midst of a pandemic where it's very few players on the field they all stand very far apart. It's in the summer where most things are, are where we're doing relative, some certain areas we're starting to do relatively okay. And they'd be the only sport on. They'd be the only sport on. So they could really have a chance to grow the game. And then you know what happened? They didn't play until August. And then they played two months and went into the postseason. That's it. They were they could have started on time, basically. And refused because the owners wanted to fuck the players in the ass. So, I, really, for me, if the players are committed to, to standing their ground, which, again, I'm with them, I would imagine the earliest we would see owners capitulate. I don't know why it would be any sooner than it was two years ago. I don't know why it would be any sooner than August. If it, ha- if it happens. What about you? I think actually, I guess that was July. I'm trying to, cause I guess it was July cause they had to do a ramp up. I think they started playing yeah. in August. Yeah. So I guess it was July that they came to an agreement, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I genuinely hope we don't have a season so that there can be genuine progress made. If, and only if we are able to have that progress. Um, cause you know what no season means? No season means no playoffs where teams really make their money. Um, I think they reach an agreement in like two months. Uh, so May. May. All right. Well, I guess I'm taking the over. Um, yeah. It's 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 a. It's a it's an astonishing shame that once again, second time in three years, there'll be no baseball on Jackie Robinson Day. There will, there, there, uh, or it's likely, not, I should say, likely not to be any baseball on Jackie Robinson Day. There's likely to be no all star game 
There's likely to be caveats around record keepers for the season stat markers. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a shortened year in the prime of some of our players' careers. Once again, for Trout, uh, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr. These are players who are, are entering or are currently in their primes that are having another shortened season fucking them. For what? Not very much money. A small yep. increase in the competitive balance tax threshold uh, and $30 million a year in arbitration bonus pool money. Oh, so you can see why we've been delaying this and trying not to talk about the small updates because it's, it's been just this. It's been just this for three months. This. Well, no, for most of that, it was nothing. Right. For most of it, it was MLB saying, <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to you. Don't you don't you worry. We'll be back. I'm just meeting a friend. I'll be back in a minute. That lasted 43 days. Yeah. Oh boy, fucking baseball. Yeah, and, and, and again, at least I have. True. And again, we don't know what's happening. Right, we we have no insight. There, the the deadline passed, and as far as Corwin, myself, and God knows, uh, no one said anything. We we don't know if they're negotiating soon. If there's a plan to reconvene in like uh, uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, I don't know. No one said anything. So we don't even know where we stand, which is a great place to be uh, alone in the dark. Great place to be scared and alone in the dark. Literal horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think I hear a chainsaw. Hope that's nothing bad. I'll accept it. Yeah. One limb at a time. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll I keep... I think we'll... I'd last past one. I think that's just like body kill switch gets flicked after that one. Oh, but that's how I get off. <laughs> I'm just going to lace this one with uh, Sunny references. <laughs> This will become the companion uh, podcast of the It's Always Sunny pod. <laughs> I would honestly, we might have to start doing yeah, just to have things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the next Monday's episode, folks, is in danger because of how little there is to talk about right now. <laughs> but we're I, just we're just gonna bump the movie podcast up to four movies a week. <laughs> oh, please, yeah, we might have to. Uh, all right, Corin, you got anything else for this? Uh, no. All right. Well, neither do I. So if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Trace. If you to follow Corwin on Twitter, do so at Corwin Heller. If you like to send emails to the show, you can do so at numbers at gmail.com. And uh, until Monday or Thursday, who knows? Y'all have a good one. <laughs>